What's up? This is Step Tranovich, the creator of Cute Little Fuckers, and you are listening to Fuck This Podcast, a podcast where we talk about fucking, but not just fucking. We talk about all the real and ridiculous related to sex, sexuality, gender identity, queer shit, trans shit, straight shit, and we always cover it with a new inspiring uh, individual every single episode. This specific episode is sponsored by Cute Little Fuckers. Cute Little Fuckers, in case you have not heard about them, are adorable vibrators shaped like cute monsters, each with their own names and personalities. And the vibrators have been getting like a ton of love from all sorts of places online, including Cosmopolitan. I'm just blown away. Our Starcy toy got number two on the list of Cosmopolitan's top vibrators in 2020. So I am super stoked. Please do me and yourself a favor and check them out on Cute littlefuckers.com that is cute littlefuckers.com One last thing before we dive into this episode, as I've mentioned a bunch of times in the intros to these past podcasts, as we are recording this during a global pandemic, the audio can be a little wonky here and there. In this episode in particular, my audio just got totally screwed up. It, I mean, it got totally screwed up, but uh, don't worry, the, the guest does most of the talking and says most of the interesting stuff, uh, and I'm really sorry for my vocal wonkery, but this is an incredible episode, so let's just dive into it. What's up? This is Step Tranovich, the mother of these adorable crotch monsters called Cute Little Fuckers. Our guest today is Tony Burgess, the host of the popular radio show House of Love. I was lucky enough to be on Tony's show right after my Kickstarter campaign, and it was just super fun, and I'm really stoked to have Tony here on our show. I'm, I'm very honored to be on your show. Thank you. So I had so much fun on your show where like normally your show is all audio, but since I had a bunch of toys, you even like brought out your camera and live streamed the Facebook. It was, that was just super fun. Thanks again for that. Well, I mean, you had, you know, you can't be talking about having sex toys and not being able to show them. That would be an affront. That would. Yes, absolutely. And the fact I, and the fact that how powerful they were was, uh, awesome yet disturbing at the same time. I don't. It was just <laughs> like the starfish one behind you. I see over there. I, I felt like that one was the. I don't have enough time, but uh, we got to get this going now. Like, <laughs> like, like, uh, quick. The other half is going to be here in five minutes. You have to do this. Like, it's. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I was on your show, we were talking a little off screen just about your experience and struggles with being a black person in the queer community and racism in the queer community. Uh, yes, uh, racism in the queer community does exist. Okay, like growing up, when I would talk to somebody, I'm thinking somebody's going to be, you know, we're getting somewhere, you know. Yeah. yeah. See the color. I'm like, that person is hot or that person is 
super smart and attractive, and I want some of that. Not in the sense <laughs> of like slice of apple pie, but you know, I want to get to know this person. I want to hang out. You know, like my top three favorite uh, responses I get is, uh, "You're an awesome, you're an awesome person." I'm just not in. I'm just not into. You know, I'm not into black people, or. Um, man, just everything, everything would be perfect if you were like Latino or white. Whoa. Wait, and then then the third one's the best. I could date you. I just, uh, like we'd have to keep it, uh, on the DL. I don't want people knowing that I, uh, because if my family hears about, finds out that I'm dating a black person. So those are my top, top three ones. What the fuck? I mean, if your family, that's just so crazy. They're like, yeah, you can be as queer as you want and be a man who brings a man home, but make sure it's not a black guy. Like, what? That's just fucking ridiculous. And it's funny because it's not just, uh, you know, black people do it too. Black people do it too. They're like, you know, I only date black people. And it's not because they don't like other races. It's just, it's, that's what they're accustomed to. It's what uh, the other races aren't trusted. It's just kind of weird. When you say not trusted, do you mean that they don't share kind of the same cultural context and in some ways like same cultural struggles? And so they're not trusted to not just say and do stuff that's fucking rude? I mean, a little bit of that, but I, I also I also think that now, mind you, this is not a I'm not generalizing all black people like this or just anybody in general. I'm not generalizing this. I'm based on my experience. It seems that, you know, the stereotypical gay guy in in the African-American community tends to be two things. It's either going to be Shaniqua Jenkins, the baddest bitch on the planet. (laughs) It's gonna be, you know, Darrell Terrell, you know, Darrell Terrence, who's like the thuggiest DL straight guys that has like five baby mamas, but really loves dick. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that, but it is. This podcast is literally called "Cute Little Fuckers." You can say dick as much as you want. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, you don't you don't tend to get a, a middle ground. Like I am definitely not Shaniko and I'm definitely not Terrell, but I, I view sexuality as not a, like that doesn't define you. I don't, I don't feel like who you sleep with is any of my business. Therefore I don't care. Uh, I'm not, I'm not talking to you because you're a gender fluid person that sleeps with other trans women. Like I don't, that doesn't matter to me. It's who you are as a person and how you treat others. And especially since I'm talking to you, how you treat me. I find that uh, the line recently has been blurred. Now back to the racism and the POC thing that that 
ties in because uh, let me back up to give give some of your podcast people some some general uh, background for me. I grew up in Los Angeles, California, Inglewood, California. Uh, Snoop Dogg's parents' house was like six blocks away from mine. Ice Cube's was twelve blocks away from mine. Like I was in the thick <laughs> growing up, and my mom didn't want. Uh, her boys to grow up in the hood so we moved to the valley and uh so we went from one extreme to another and then we just moved throughout southern california and then after uh high school i moved uh, i traveled the country and then ended up in salt lake city utah where i spent like a, off and on about a decade in salt lake city and so i've seen any different types of racism. My favorite is the subtle racism. Uh, for example, the the greatest line ever: "I'm not racist. I have a black friend." Yeah, classic. <laughs> Just one, you say? Just one? Okay. <laughs> two, two would be too many. One, one. Just enough to check off the box. Yeah. I'm like, what happens? Like, is it a jackpot if you met like a bisexual black Baptist? Is that like? You're like, ooh, the crown jewel. You know, like, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's the case, then here I am, because that's me. But uh, <laughs> a lot of people have, let me rephrase that. Places that aren't heavily populated, that don't necessarily have the access to the internet. Uh, and also, you know, we are all products of our environment. So if they're... And if they're in a place where their environment is strictly like Christian country, uh, America patriotism and, you know, Dr. Pepper, that's all they're going to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's it. They're not going to try to stray. You know, you you have people that are like, OK, so we can hand you, handle you being queer. Uh, just don't let grandma know. You still like country music. You still drive a big truck. You still do this. You still you like to go hunting. That's mm -hmm. fine. That's fine. But if you bring a Mexican home, that damn it, that's we can't hang. You know, you're you're outcast. What a strange and fine line from my perspective. I'm sure it makes sense in some way to them. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. But just from my perspective, that is. That just seems so strange and arbitrary. It's true. So, like, one thing that you said earlier that I thought was interesting is that you were saying how you don't care what anyone's sexuality is, like who people sleep with. It really doesn't matter to you because it's none of your business. And I totally agree with that, except one piece of that that's interesting is that it doesn't matter who people are sleeping with, it's none of your business, unless you're trying to sleep with them. And then suddenly who they're sleeping with kind of is part of your business. And if who they're sleeping with is determined by something that feels as arbitrary as race, I can see how that could not make what they're doing right or wrong, but make it a emotionally interesting, potentially tumultuous place. So... That statement was uh, viewed, was like more towards the, this is like tiptoeing through a minefield because I don't want to offend but, <laughs> but that's more towards the, the, the trans uh, spectrum. 
I have a lot of friends that like, like I, I completely understand misgenders. That's that being misgendered. That's, that's a thing. I would probably get pissed off if somebody kept calling me white, you know? Yeah. Or bless them. One of the two. I don't know. But, <laughs> but for instance, I, I have a, I have a, I have a friend. We, we were having, we were, we fell out over, over something that they were completely not cool. And I just was like, I, when you're, you're being dumb. Call me when you're not. <laughs> and then, so we're getting back, we're getting back into the, the, the stuff. We're finally getting back. And we, we're good. We are good friends uh, as a, as what they call a male cisgendered person. Uh, I am pretty uh, sensitive to their titles, needs, and whatnot. And I stumble myself because I have known them for so long. Like, I knew them through their transition. I knew the before, middle, after. So sometimes, uh, I don't do it often, but sometimes it slips out. And my whole thing about that is my actions prove that I am, I am your, I'm standing right next to you on the front lines. And some, a lot of people want to stand with you on the front lines, but they don't, they don't have access to the education of knowing what is right and what is wrong in that sense. And granted, you are correct. It is not your place to teach people because you've had to deal with your own struggles, but you have to at least give them uh, a little bit of a break because if they're used to thinking one way and they realize that that one way is wrong, it's hard it's hard to, you know, they can't transition like like that. You know, they can't like change like that. Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. absolutely <laughs> important to give people the space to rematch their habits. As people are learning and as, uh, you know, we make changes to our pronouns or names or things like that. It just takes people time to adjust. And really the good friend is the one who will be with you, occasionally fuck up and just look and say, oh, sorry, sorry, correct. And over time, just actually put in the, the effort to... To change it, but we screw up. And even honestly, like hidden secret, sometimes trans and non-binary people accidentally misgender themselves. And I'm like, what did you do? What did you do? Pointing to myself. Right. No, you know, we have to be compassionate. That was the thing, was the fact that I brought that particular thing up. And uh, it was it was it was uh, it was interesting conversation. Like I'm not mad. They are the ones that are you know, breathing fat fire, I'm still like, okay, it's, to me, it's, to, I think it's to the extreme. Now, transitioning back to the, the racism and, 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 and the queer community, that's also a part of it. I, I, it's, there's, there's racism, there's transphobia uh, in the queer community, and I don't understand why, because how can you be a minority of a minority and be against 
another minority. Like that doesn't make any sense. And and I look at it as a as a a bigger picture. So you want people, you want the normies, uh, normal people or mainstream to take notice and to respect you for who you are. I'm all for that. Merry Christmas. Let's do that. Let's work towards that. The reason why the mainstream is called the mainstream is because they're a lot more united than the queer community is. And they exploit the indecisiveness that we that the queer community possesses. I commend people like RuPaul, uh, regardless of what the queer community says about RuPaul being transphobic or whatever, RuPaul brought gay culture to mainstream, which nobody's perfect, so I get it, but if one is to be accepted, then we should accept the triumphs and work on the little stuff. Like, that's a major step. I didn't even know RuPaul Drag Race was on for as long as it has been. I was fortunate enough to know, I think the, let's say, season one through six, I knew four, like personally know uh, four of the winners when I was, and I've seen what that has happened to their careers. That's, that's particularly awesome. And that wouldn't have happened if RuPaul hadn't put the work in themselves. Uh, you know, because you have to, you have to remember Supermodel of the World dropped in 1990, either 91 or 93. I'm going to say 91. Pretty sure it's 93, but anyway, one of the in the early 90s, right? And RuPaul's already tall. RuPaul's like six, six two, six three. Mm-hmm. Put heels on it, six foot seven. <laughs> so you have this giant drag queen, black drag queen, that looks better in drag than some of the major supermodels at the time. You know, the music was good. You better work. The, the look was good. The story was good. People embraced that. If it wasn't for that, I I don't think I don't think we would have had more uh, mainstream stuff happening in the nineties that uh, eventually turned out to be turned into this worldwide phenomenon now. Because like RuPaul Drag Race now has Drag Race in Canada, in the Philippines, in the in Europe. Uh, I believe Australia now it's a worldwide phenomenon and I, that's that's amazing. I commend that too many times we don't see the good we over we we just focus on the small niche of negativity when it comes to progress i I, I kind of compare it to 
when black folks got the right to vote and was got the right to own land, you know, we we stood united. Granted, we still got treated like second second class citizens. We still made less money. We still were targeted. There were still laws about us not being able to be out on the street after a certain time. You know what I mean? If you were seen kissing a black woman or a, a, a white woman or a white man in certain states, that was punishable by death, you know? But we knew the moment that we were able to get the right to vote and able to own land and able to own businesses, we knew that this was the building blocks of getting everything as equal as we could possibly get. I don't understand why that mentality is not utilized now, especially in the queer community. You see it all over social media. You can go on Grindr. You can go on, I don't know, Scruff. <laughs> Any of these other, I don't know all the others. I hear Grinder a lot, but you go on, and a friend of mine went on, uh, he's Asian. Oh my God. If you're Asian, I'm so sorry. If you get Asian, <laughs> all you Asian listeners, I'm telling you, I, I'm so sorry. You guys get the worst of the worst. I, so my friend went on Grinder and showed me. I, there was probably 60% of profiles that said no, no blacks, no Asians. But it said more, no Asians more than it said no blacks. I don't understand. Oh, I, I don't understand. I think that to me is sick. I find Asian people attractive. I'm, I do. I find them attractive on many levels. Their food is good. <laughs> the chef speaking. <laughs> That's some good stuff. That's some good shit. It to me, it it I don't I don't understand. I was taught you don't judge people by their skin color, you judge people by the character of the, you know, who they are and, the, and by their actions. So with that I've never was superficial as in like the typical blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, six packed abs. Sure, if that person walked in that in my house right now, I would be like, "You look good," but why are you in my house? But you know, <laughs> I was always attracted to individuality. So it's it's funny, uh, and and I am no way. This is all due respect. I'm not hitting on you or anything, but I had a person that I was, I was, I had a crush on that had red and blue streaks in their hair <laughs> to the house. And my mom overheard them saying, I would not mind being your boyfriend. Right. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. they left and my mom was like, look, I don't care if they're white, black, Mexican, Chinese, purple, whatever. I don't care. Can you get somebody with some normal hair color, please? <laughs> really? What? Oh, come on. You gotta, you, people really, they gotta single into every little thing. My mom was like, she didn't, 
she really never really cared who I dated, male or female. She never got, she didn't give shit. But uh, it was just the the folks that I hung out with were like punk, goth, uh, you know, kids. So they always came over. I think they were, I think she was just tired of them. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of times people in a more, what I like to call norm core, but like mainstream society, especially in a like specifically honed in worldview, like the, the farther something pushes out of that worldview, the harder it is for people to ingest. Like, like you mentioned, like you drive the big car, you like country music. It's okay if you're queer, but if you're queer and also drive a small car and like heavy metal, like that's just too many things outside of the box oh, no, they for like us heavy to metal. handle. It, it, they like heavy metal. Uh, oh, well, fact, techno. Then Let's say you drive a small car, you listen to techno and you're queer. Like any one of those was passable, but the combo box is just too much. Right. No, it, it, it is like that. It, it, it totally is. When I was living in Utah, I met so many people who were like, man, I wish I could be like you in the sense that you're so comfortable in your skin. And I, and my response to that would be like, I don't have a choice. Like, I don't, I can't take, I can't, I, it doesn't come off. <laughs> or I would, I would, tro- I would totally love to be white for a day or, you know, like just to see, just like to see. Uh, what it would be nice, but no, I, I, you know, I would tell them, I'm like, I didn't, ha- I don't have a choice. Like, I don't, of course, I'm comfortable. I don't, I don't let anybody affect me in that way where what you say to me is going to like bring me down. Like, if I, I live by this motto, and it's, it's totally true. You're either if you're not feeding fucking or financing anything that I'm doing, I don't give a shit, you know, like if you're not doing one of those three, get out. I don't, I don't care. Like it, it really, and it's, I've held true to that. I don't, I don't allow strangers opinions affect who I, who I am. And if you're getting hate for what you're doing, like when you're doing something positive and you got more, you, you got people that are hating on you, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like one thing that's interesting in that feeding fucking financing model is that, well, one of those is fucking. And then that's where like this racism in the queer community is really a challenge. And I, and I feel like, well, one thing that you've been saying a lot here is that uh, a big problem the community is having is is that this fracturing and you and like this lack of understanding of like why the community can't say like we are the queer community and we accept everyone when why do they need to be like we're the queer community but some of us don't like black people and some of us don't like asian people and and you know trans women aren't women it's just like but queer women are and you're just like oh my gosh this is such uh, such a terrible, annoying situation to be in. And something that's coming up for me right now in just from this conversation about like how, why that's the case and how that could be the case. I mean, the, the truth is, is that like queer people aren't born into queer families. Queer people are born everywhere into all families. And all of these families have these different boundaries of what's normal and what, how much 
weirdness they can take before they start putting boundaries on their children whether it's like i don't care about what race you're dating but someone with normal hair or like i don't care if you date black people but not mexican and just all of these different boundaries that have been you know fed into us from our familial situations that really sadly have stuck with a lot of members of the queer community that has created this fracturing because everyone's bringing with us a piece of this trauma from our old homes that a lot of us had to have an experience of kind of escaping because it wasn't a place that felt comfortable for us. And that's really challenging and sad and creates more of this fracturing and sad experiences that we're talking about. I was wondering if you had any thoughts, any like last thoughts on some ways we can strive to overcome that or just maybe some things to keep in mind. Honestly, here's the thing. You follow your gut, you you follow your heart, you know? If somebody that you see across the room who you may not be used to seeing gets you going, fucking talk to them. We are supposed to be on top of the food chain because we are able to adapt in any situation. So if I can take a take a stab at it, you know, us black folks, we like to be cuddled during the winter, you know. <laughs> I really love your framing of like, yeah, humans, we adapt. Let your sexuality adapt to include people. I think that's really cool. And also, don't don't exoticize. Don't do it because ooh. definitely. Don't do it because ooh, it's step into the dark. Like you know, I'm used to eating vanilla ice cream, but now I'm going to get some chocolate. You know, I don't <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Just <laughs> that'll that'll get you that'll get you cut quick. So yeah, I agree with that for sure. <laughs> and that's for anybody. That that's that's not just for race. That's for trans. That's for non-binary. You know, people all that just. Oh, this is a well, good job. Like th- you're doing, you're doing God's work. This is good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That coming from the bisexual black Baptist uh, superstar, right? As you caught yourself. <laughs> no, it's been such such a pleasure to talk with you, Tony. Thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs>